Welcome to The Conversation at Airsafe.com. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Curtis. This is show number 94, Air France Flight 447, the BBC interviews. After more than a month, most of the wreckage and many of the victims of Air France Flight 447 remain lost at sea. The public's and the media's attention remain focused on the causes of the crash and on the recovery of the black boxes. This podcast features two interviews with Vincent Dowd from the BBC World Service. In the first interview on June 12, 2009, we discussed several issues, including differences in flight control philosophy between Airbus and Boeing, and how aircraft manufacturers respond when one of their airplanes crash. In the second interview, recorded on June 23, 2009, we discussed the progress of the accident investigation. We also talked about how the circumstances of this accident showed how it may be possible to use advanced technologies to supplement or even replace the cockpit voice recorder and flight data recorder. Clearly we've now found the tail section of the, uh, uh, the aircraft that went down. The bodies have been recovered. The search for the black box goes on. We've had Airbus talking about the, uh, the speed sensors on the, uh, the winds, etc. But b- basically this remains a mystery. So the first question to you is just how important is it that uh, answers are found to this mystery because it remains a mystery right now? Well, it's vitally important that you find answers because of the design of the A330. There are many similarities between that and the other Airbus aircraft that are being produced right now. So if there is a problem, let's say, with the speed sensing system with the A330, this could be a fleet-wide problem on all Airbus models. Uh, Well, how strong is that suspicion to take one line of inquiry which is being followed at this time? Why why is anybody talking about these speed sensors on the wings as potentially being a problem? Well, it's not a cause-and-effect relationship because obviously the investigation hasn't really uh, gained much ground so far, but there is definitely a correlation. There has been this ongoing problem with the speed sensing system going back to about 2007 where this issue was recognized by Airbus on other models recognized in 2008 on the A330 models. And there was a plan in place in late April, starting in late April, with Air France to replace these sensors, not because there was a definite uh, problem associated with them, but because there was a suspicion that it may have been involved with problems in the past. And out of an abundance of caution, they were replacing these sensors. Now this accident happened, and of course the natural suspicion is one caused the other, but that's a bit premature. And the implications, if it, if it were to be the speed sensors, are very severe. And indeed, some uh, pilots are talking about uh, organizing boycotts of these aircraft uh, because of their fears. Well, the boycott is, on one level, a prudent thing. Uh, Air France has said that they will replace the sensors on these aircraft, and the accident aircraft had not yet had its sensor replaced. So again, uh, again, out of the same abundance of caution that you see in the air safety investigators, the pilots' union is doing what it think is, thinks is the right thing by suggesting that until these changes are made, these airplanes may not be fit to fly. And there are hundreds of them in the air probably right now. That's correct. And the change that happens, that is the speed of the change, is going to be up to the manufacturer of the airline and ultimately the regulatory authorities. And that might differ from country to country. Okay, but when we talk about the speed sensors, we are speculating at this stage. If the black box flight recorder is uh, located and recovered, now that we know the general area in which the aircraft went down, is that going to provide definitive answers? It may provide definitive answers. Uh, That depends, of course, on whether or not the data is intact and whether or not the recorders were taking data up to the time the airplane stopped flying. 
even with those assumptions, we can have a situation where we could have beautiful data, fantastic data from inside and outside the black boxes, and still have a devil of a time trying to get to an answer. I just need to remind your audience of the 2008 event with the triple uh, seven from British Airways, which uh, crashed. No one got killed, fortunately. The aircraft was largely intact. The data was largely intact. Uh, British Airways has a marvelous system for tracking its maintenance data throughout its fleet, and it happened right there at Heathrow where their main engineering base was. With all these resources and all this data, it's still a very taxing problem to try and figure out what exactly happened. It was a very subtle thing, and we still don't know the full story there. And, and even this whole question of the, the, the black box and the, the data which it provides, in this day and age, is that still the best possible system that can be put in place. Surely, with the way in which computers and communications work these days, you could have live streaming of the sort of data which is collected and, and held in the black box. Uh, we could have it live streamed to an airline's you know, main base hub. Uh, yes, indeed, it's possible, because we saw with this accident that the maintenance messages, which were routine maintenance messages, not the black box information, which went out to uh, Air France headquarters, is actually some of the key data we have in this investigation. If the black boxes aren't found, this might be the only data we find from this. And even if, even if the black boxes are recovered, this might be the thing that changes the industry away from thinking, let's keep the data in the box, to let's see if we can have a systematic way of having every aircraft stream their data constantly out there so in case there is a problem, we can recover it later. So far, almost everything people are saying about Air France Flight 447 uh, and how it came to crash is speculation, of course. Uh, and we totally accept that. But so far, much of that speculation has centred on the pitot tubes. Now, with all your experience... Um, is that simply because the media and everybody else needs to focus on something, or is there some better rationale for that? Well, there's some rationale for it. Of course, there's no direct relationship between the pedo tube situation and this recent crash, but certainly there had been a history with several Airbus models, including the A320, with uh, problems with the pedo tubes providing incorrect data to the flight uh, control system. And the pitot tube is connected to a rather extensive network of computers and other air data equipment that provides extensive information for navigation, for speed control, etc. And a failure there or a problem there could lead to all sorts of situations that should be avoided. Is it true, as is sometimes stated in the general press, as opposed to the perhaps the specialist press, that Airbus planes are more dependent on computer technology? than are Boeing's, or, or is that a basic misapprehension? That's a, somewhat of a misapprehension. Modern aircraft by Boeing, by Airbus, they are very heavily dependent on computers and to maintain level flight, to operate the aircraft, the environmental control system, all aspects of flying are controlled by various computers. One of the major philosophical differences between Boeing and Airbus is the latitude given pilots, and in short, Boeing pilots can manually override the flight control system in some respects and fly the airplane at the very limits of its capability, whereas Airbus is designed where there are hard limits as to what pilots can do, and they can't go beyond that. I realize it can only be an opinion, however informed on your part, but, but is either of those necessarily better, or is it just a different approach? It's a different approach, because 
I've looked at this extensively, tried to see if there was any sort of statistical relationship, historical relationship between the kind of flight control system you have and the likelihood of an accident. And I really couldn't find any significant difference between the two. And in my opinion, there are two different approaches, but neither one is more risky to, than the other. So when people, uh, I think it's especially when journalists, even in very uh, uh, grown-up newspapers, have to write about this very specialised area when perhaps they're not skilled in avionics, when they write about the, the characteristics of fly-by-wire, uh, on Airbus and whatever, they're kind of slightly generalising from what you're saying and maybe drawing distinctions which are perhaps not quite as important as they make out. And the, the, these are subtle distinctions. I mean, it's taken me several years to become familiar with just how those differences may manifest themselves in flight. So it doesn't surprise me that the general population is finding it hard to grasp this because it's not a very easy thing. In, in other words, uh, one of the difficulties is the aircraft, the flight control system, operates in various modes. And knowing what mode that control system is in gives the pilot an opportunity to know what kind of actions to take. And as aircraft get more sophisticated, both Boeing and Airbus and any other manufacturer, it's sometimes difficult for the flight crew to know exactly what the airplane's thinking. Indeed, yes. Um, moving to the more general area, Todd, from your long experience, when a terrible incident happens, as, as happened about a fortnight ago uh, with the Air France plane, what happens within the relevant company. Of course, it goes without saying, there's a, an appalling human shock on the day. But professionalism must kick in. What happens hour by hour after that? Well, certainly, and I can speak most of what happens on the manufacturer side of things because that was my experience when it came to accidents. And typically, there is a set of procedures in place within the company where the relevant officials are informed. And if need be, various departments spring into action. For example, if there's a an outright crash of an aircraft, and it's one that's a current production model, then the company will be very keen on getting their representatives on scene. And usually, in, in virtually all cases, those representatives will work through the National Civil Aviation Authority of that country and will work with that authority on the accident investigation. So in this case, representatives of Airbus from Toulouse or wherever will have gone out That's correct. pretty much... And also, of course, the public relations department or the media department of the manufacturer would also get involved, typically, as a point of contact for the media. But those would be the two uh, organizations involved, the folks who are specialists in accident investigations and the folks who are specialists in dealing with the media. Um, I know this is going to seem like a very, very grim and uh, cynical question. It's genuinely not meant as such. But inevitably, and a large corporation, whichever the corporation is, is going to think this is going to have a terrible effect on our PR and potentially one day on our sales. I mean, it's however human their response would be, it would be inhuman if they didn't also have that corporate response. Is there a kind of clash between the human response and the business response? Well, not really, because, uh, again, from personal experience, the folks who are most likely to be affected emotionally by this, even within the company, are those who are very closely involved with the investigation. And those who are making the business decisions are somewhat removed from that. And although they're, they're mindful of the emotional impact that may happen, and they are not uh, going to be cold-hearted about this, uh, they usually have 
an emotional distance that allows them to make uh, rational business decisions around this. And in some cases, there might be a reputation issue at hand, in which case you may see the chief executive officer or or another high-level official go out in front of the media and give statements, answer questions, etc., depending on the level of interest and concern with this accident. That's the kind of response you'll see. Now, I think for various reasons, the level of interest and response with this accident was at the upper level, partly because of the dramatic nature, partly because it was unusual. Um, does, does that make a difference, that this is going to register, and not, there's no pun intended here, but this is going to register very uh, clearly on the international radar? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, I looked at this problem from a mathematical perspective several years ago. Uh, there had always been a feeling in the aviation safety community that the media paid too much attention to some kinds of accidents, but we really didn't have a solid way to point out what were the factors. And I did a 17-year study of the New York Times, which, of course, is in the U.S. is the major media uh, organization that affects how national news is played out across the country. And if the New York Times thinks it's important, it's likely to be on television, etc., I found that there were four factors closely associated with media coverage, uh, whether or not it was a jet, how many people were killed in the accident, whether there was a New York connection, that is, the plane was flying to and from New York, the company was based in New York, that sort of thing. And a fourth thing that I, taught, uh, that I called a political aspect, and politics could be aircraft design, uh, regulatory issues, terrorism, what have you. And in the case of this uh, aircraft, obviously it wasn't going to or from New York, but three of the four factors were there because on the political side, there's certainly a concern that there may be an aircraft design issue here and an issue of whether or not Air France or the French government or Airbus was quick enough with correcting what they perceived as a problem. At present, there's no connection between that pitot tube problem and the crash, but certainly that political angle exists right now. You, you quite rightly said there is a question mark against the pitot tubes, but absolutely nobody can be sure necessarily it had anything to do with the crash. We just don't know. But in this regard, um, what on earth can the air industry do? Because pitot tubes are abso- of some form are absolutely basic to flying. I think, as far as I'm aware, every jet has pitot tubes of some variety. I mean, you can't, if, if you were to say oh, there's a problem with, potential problem with pitot tubes, you'd have to ground every jet in the world, and that's not going to happen. Well, problems crop up all the time in that uh, aircraft, especially large jet airliners, are rather complex machines, and there's constant discoveries by the airlines, by the manufacturer, by government regulators of issues that have to be addressed. And depending on the issue, there will be some sort of risk assessment done at the company level or the national level where they'll say, well, here's a problem. Here are the potential effects of this problem. And given that potential effect, here's what we should do to fix it. So you could have a situation like you did with the pitot tubes with Airbus, where the problem was recognized. It had not caused any serious accident beforehand, but there was a recognition that there was a possibility of this leading to a problem. And they put into place what was then a prudent schedule of replacing these pitot tubes as the opportunities presented themselves. And obviously, because of the concerns around the crash, that process has been accelerated. But certainly, there was a process in place, and it was being executed by Airbus and by the airlines. And in my opinion, the problem was being taken care of, given what was known at the time. 
we know because it's been publicly stated that Air France has expedited, in fact, I think is, is, is roaring through its process of replacing and certainly inspecting pitot tubes. But is every airline which runs Airbus and maybe runs any form of jet also looking at its pitot tubes on the quiet? Is that what's happening behind the scenes, as it were? Most are probably taking care of the pitot tube situation, but there's no guarantee that all of them are. Which must be a worry, because you or I could go to, you know, for the sake of argument, West Africa, and get on a plane where nobody had inspected or, or, or um, checked those uh, pitot tubes at all. That's certainly possible, but let me uh, hasten to add this, that when it comes to flying within a country, that is domestic aviation, that civil aviation authority has complete sway over it. But if that, era, if that same developing world airline is flying, let's say, to and from Western Europe, they would have to adhere to the European rules when it comes to safety and operations. So you can rest assured that if the airline is flying back and forth to London or Paris, that they're going to be adhering to the very highest level of aviation regulations. Okay, just another couple of questions uh, to finish, Todd. Um, going back to more of the detail on the AF447. I'm stating the obvious. If I say this is an unusual case, uh, the plane was lost over the ocean, we only, at least as we speak, we only have bits of wreckage. I mean, who knows what will happen in the next 48 hours, but that's the case as we speak. If that remains the case, how hard will this investigation prove? It will be more difficult, certainly, because both the cockpit voice recorder and the flight data recorder would have copious amounts of information about the state of the airplane up until the final moments. But we do have a situation where, as you stated, uh, so far there is some wreckage recovered, including some fairly significant size pieces of wreckage. And if no other information came out of this investigation, there would still be a remarkable amount of material to work with, including the maintenance records of that aircraft and the maintenance records and experience of the entire Airbus A330 fleet. Uh, you could have researchers going through this and seeing if there's any sort of pattern that came about either with that aircraft or with the fleet that would point to a problem. And of course, there will be a meticulous examination of the objects recovered and of course of the bodies that have been recovered. And those too can reveal some clues. For updates on this investigation or for other information about aviation safety or aviation security issues, please visit brazil.airsafe.org. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.